Hello and welcome to Future Proof, the podcast. This is the show where we take a closer look at the world around us. I'm Jonathan McRae. Now it's lobster season, folks. That time of year where Irish people come back from holiday having completed their first step towards carcinization. Look it up. Uh, pinks and reds, peeling skin. Year after year, we fail to do what our mothers have been screaming at us to do through holiday home windows for years. Put on sunscreen. But the science behind SPF is really surprising. And I found myself reading Grace Brown's piece in Wired with my jaw constantly constantly dropped so she joins me now to talk through it grace welcome to the program um why did you want to do a piece on sunscreen in the first place because it's one of those things that people think they know everything about or at least they they make a lot of assumptions about sunscreen yeah so i think um i'm personally interested in this uh from a personal standpoint and i'm sure a lot of irish people listening are too because we're uniquely vulnerable to the harms of the sun i would say um and so yeah from a personal standpoint as well but i had really noticed an uptick i think especially on social media in the past few years in a lot of fear mongering around sun cream i think um there's been a particular rise in maybe like the wellness community about the harms of sun cream you know whether it's actually carcinogenic or whether it's preventing us from absorbing enough vitamin d and i was just really intrigued to see what the current like landscape was with regards to sun cream was that translating to a drop in people using it and what that meant for you know uptick in skin cancer at the same time yeah, you see, this is something I was completely unaware of. I didn't realize that the anti-science brigade had, had gone down um, and started to attack sunscreen. But I suppose they do because that, that rise in wellness and natural um, remedies and all that sort of uh, um, sort of anti-science um, sentiment is sort of seeping into everything. So I didn't realize there was a, a, a switch to natural types of um, sunscreen. And, and there are videos online that you say in, in a, your piece of people trying to do, use natural um, versions of this. How, how are they? Are they popular? Do they work? Yeah, I had started to, maybe it's my corner of the internet. I think it's uh, kind of maybe more popular amongst younger women as well. Um, but I, I had noticed it on my TikTok for you feed. Maybe last summer I'd seen some people um, showcasing their DIY sun cream recipes at home. I saw some, one person saying that you could just use coconut oil, which, I mean, that's just a recipe to get a, a sunburn. Um, so yeah, I think, I think maybe that's why I was more predisposed to seeing this kind of content. Yeah, but I, I found it really alarming. Yeah, so um, let's start off with the basics then. What evidence is there to suggest that sunscreen, sunscreen prevents cancer? Yeah, I think that was the question I found much interesting going in because that's something that we take as a given. We've always taken that as a given, right? Like put sun cream on. It is, we've always taken that as an effectively an anti-cancer intervention. Um, so I did want to go back and look and see what the kind of literature base looked like. And I was pretty surprised to see that um, it was it was pretty shaky, I would say, from, from a, you know, when we think about medicines, when we think about drugs, to show that a drug works, you have to do a bunch of massive clinical trials with a bunch of people, um, really robust conditions and say at the end, this is significantly better than say a placebo. Um, and I think sun cream kind of falls into kind of murky territory. It's regulated as a cosmetic in Europe, but regulated as an over-the-counter drug in the US and I think in Australia as well. So it, it kind of, you know, is it's kind of different depending where you are in the world. Um, so yeah, I wanted to go back and see this kind of um, clinical evidence exists for sun cream. And the answer is yes, but again, like I said, it's it wasn't super robust. There's only been kind of one big 
randomized clinical trial, which is considered kind of the gold standard um, when it comes to showing that a intervention works, um, which means you take a bunch of people, you give them the intervention, in this case, sun cream, and you don't give it to another group of people, and then you compare contrast. Um, something that is harder when it comes to cancer is that showing whether something works to treat cancer or prevent cancer is much more difficult because cancer takes a while to develop, and especially skin cancer. You'd probably be waiting about like a decade to see whether cancer develops in certain individuals. But they tried to do it anyway. They tried to do it in Queensland. Um, and they took a bunch of people. I think it was like 1,600 people. Um, and what they did, because of kind of the ethical quandary, they couldn't tell people not to wear sun cream. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be great, would it? But they took a bunch of people and they told them to wear sun cream in a really regimented basis. And then they took another group of people and they said, just keep wearing sun cream how you might um, normally. And for a lot of people that meant really, really irregularly or maybe not at all. Um, and then they followed their outcomes. Um, and I think it was it was over a pretty long period of time. Um, and I think it was after like 15 years, uh, they followed up those people and they found that twice as many people in the control groups, the people who just wore sun cream as they pleased, um, they found that twice, of, twice as many of them had developed melanoma, which is the most dangerous kind of skin cancer than in the people who had been told to wear sun cream in a specific way. So that is an important thing to say, that the, yeah. there is a, a big study that showed that you are twice as likely to develop the, the deadliest form of skin cancer, melanoma, actually yeah. one of the most deadly forms of, of skin cancer, melanoma. So there is evidence that you suggest it. But I would have thought that there would be dozens of these sort of studies testing different types of um, sunscreen and so on. And it doesn't seem to be that, that the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I find that really surprising as well. And even some of the uh, scientists who I spoke to for the piece, um, I think there is just a, a kind of a murkiness in this area because it does tend to be cosmetic companies who are developing this intervention, um, you know, not pharmaceutical companies who have to go through certain checks and balances. So so what exactly is a factor 50 then? When, some, when something is 50 SPF, I thought it meant you could stay in the sun for 50 minutes, but that's not what it means at all. Yeah, I think that's a really common misconception. And it basically, it's a, it's a really unintuitive uh, definition, I would say. I mean, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. But it basically just says how much the sun cream blocks out UV rays. And they calculated by the ratio of the amount of UV radiation needed to burn sunscreen skin relative to the amount needed to burn unprotected skin. So that means the SPF 50 protects skin from about 50 times the UV that you would need to burn unprotected skin and SPF 30 against 30 of the times and, you know, so on and so on. Right. OK. And, and But does that not completely depend on the type of skin? Um, because obviously more, some skins are more susceptible to sunburn. Yeah, that's a that's also a really good question. Um, and it's something presumably that uh, like most of the science on this, it was tested just on white people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's always pretty much a given. And that was something that I also found really surprising about the piece because I had seen quite a few articles in the last few years and other, you know, on, on, on social media as well for people um, in the public health area, not telling non-white people that they also need to wear sun cream. That was really important for, say, black people to wear sun cream and that it was a misconception that black people can't get skin cancer from the sun, etc. But when I started researching this piece, I ended up speaking to this researcher and dermatologist who's black himself. And when he started looking into this from a research perspective, he also could find pretty scant evidence to support this. There's never been any research to show that sun cream does prevent skin cancer in black people for reasons that, like that you alluded to. But really, his whole thesis kind of 
rests on the idea that there's never been any evidence to show that sun exposure increases skin cancer risk in black people. Uh, but there has been some evidence to show that, that that's just not the case. Like it just tends to be that black people do, do develop skin cancer and they do tend to have actually more fatal outcomes when it comes to melanoma. That tends to be because it gets caught later on in them. So if, if the whole idea that sun cream could prevent skin cancer in black people rests on the idea that sun exposure increases the risk, but that evidence isn't there, then the argument kind of falls away. Right. And, and, and so with a lot of this, it seems like these are fairly serious questions that should be asked. There, there should be more trials and actually even retrospective tr um, uh, s studies should be fairly easy to put in place, you know, asking people, did you use sun cream and then measuring large populations because we've got these large data sets out there. We, we should be able to, to, uh, to get a more conclusive answer. But with whether or not black people should wear sunscreen, whether or not sunscreen really does protect your skin and how um, and what um, what UV 50 or SPF 50 really means in terms of uh, each type of skin. All of this seems like we should have way more evidence because we're talking about, you know, skin cancer, which, as you point out in the article, is going uh, up and up. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for, you know, research funding bodies or researchers themselves, but I, I was pretty surprised there hasn't been a ton of evidence uh, gathering being done in this area either. I think something that I really took away coming away from the piece was I thought the researchers most interesting to chat to were people in Australia because Australia is kind of uniquely vulnerable to, you know, it has the highest rates of skin cancer in the world because, you know, it has a largely white population living in one of the hardest areas in the world. And uh, what Australia has long understood since, you know, about the 80s um, is, that, is that sun cream should never be a first line of defense when it comes to protecting yourself from the sun. Um, in Australia, they have this campaign called Slip, Slap, Slop, and it recommends that you slip on a shirt, slop on some sun cream, and slap on a hat. Because uh, they know that clothing can actually be a really good barrier against the sun as well. And they've since updated that slogan to Slip, Slop, Slap, Seek, and Slide. Uh, seek some shade and slide with some sunglasses as well. That was really my takeaway from the piece that, you know, when you're sitting at, um, on the beach in Marbella or whatever, uh, like you said, burning into a lobster, uh, maybe just go sit in the shade and put on some clothing as well as putting on sun cream, you know, mm. every two hours. Australia, though, is one of those countries that, as you say, has um, is uniquely vulnerable, but is seeing a, a big rise in this sort of anti-science movement. And um, a lot of people um, nowadays using less sunscreen. Is that right? Yeah, there was a, a recent survey done and they found that only 55% of Australian adults believe that sunscreen is f safe to use every day, which I mean, that's a pretty shocking statistic when you think about how uniquely vulnerable Australian people are. And like you said, I think it just goes back to this kind of fear mongering that has gone on around sun cream. There's no there's no evidence to suggest that these chemicals that are in um, sunscreen, whether it's a, a mineral type um, or a chemical, because it's two different types, right? There's no suggestion that either of those are bad. And given how often they are used, you would imagine that we would start to see uh, some negative health effects in the population as a result of, of, of wearing these, right? Yeah, I think one big study that seemed to has triggered a bit of fear was uh, in 2019, the FDA in the US, because they regulate sun cream as an over-the-counter drug in the US, they tend to have just a few more checks and balances that they have to do. Um, so they published this study that suggested that sun cream ingredients soak into your bloodstream, which that sounds scary, right? Um, 
I, I intuitively I can understand how that sounds a little bit uh, worrying. <laughs> but the the conclusion of that study was that people should not stop wearing sun cream. It's just they haven't quite figured out yet whether absorbing ingredients poses any health risks. And so that means you know you should still keep wearing sun cream for the moment. Uh, but I think just in general, the whole idea with ingredients in sun cream is you would have to wear so much sun cream all the time, which pretty much nobody is doing for it to have any kind of effect. And whether there is any actual effect also hasn't been shown. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, for me personally, I'm going to choose uh, wearing sun cream to prevent my risk of skin cancer than any kind of, you know, vaguely nefarious risk that's looming on the horizon. Yeah, it does seem to me that we need to know a lot more about this subject because we get these, you know, warnings from Met Aaron about the, uh, today's going to be a high UV index day and, you know, how much people should be putting on uh, and whether or not people put on a little bit and then think, oh, I'll be fine for the rest of the day and end up getting sunburn as a result of that. Like, you know, that that's very, you know, that's very common, right? Yeah, I, th- I thought that was quite interesting when I was reporting the piece is that often sometimes they find that wearing sun cream, you know, popping on a bit of sun cream in the morning kind of lends this false sense of security, which means that people feel like they can stay out in the sun all day, go for a swim, um, play a football match or whatever, get really sweaty and just not reply reapply their sun cream and that usually ends up meaning that they get sunburned um and maybe they would have been less sun safe as someone who had never put sun cream on in the first place and just stayed inside or stayed in the shade um which i thought was really interesting but yeah i think there is a massive pr problem when it comes to sun cream which is you know like we've talked about it is at the end of the day a public health intervention but there's so much misconceptions about it and misinformation and one thing that i thought was interesting and maybe this may be applies more to women um but you know could could be for all genders um something that's kind of paradoxical that's happening in sun cream sales at the moment is that while um you kind of on anti-sunscreen influencing is kind of on the rise the sun cream industry is actually booming it's doing really really well like sales are up um and one reason for that and maybe again this is my corner of tiktok um showing itself is that particularly women have kind of glommed onto sun cream as a anti-aging intervention um which there's pretty robust evidence to show that as well that it protects against photo aging which is what causes wrinkles right well, and, so, someone told me on. that um that the only the only time a, a, a health product can claim to be anti-aging is if it contains spf everything else if it's absolutely un, uh, un evidence based but if you say if you have SPF in the product then you can say it's anti-aging in other words sunscreen is the only thing that create that, that causes yeah. anti-aging and everything else is just PR gumph and I yeah. thought that was really really interesting yeah I mean it's not shocking that the beauty industry is making a lot of um, false claims but yeah I think I think and uh, from, from from a you know more of a sociological perspective should we be kind of hammering home wearing this product as a way of anti-aging I feel a little maybe uncomfortable about that kind of you know I feel like that is maybe a slippery slope to promoting ageism or whatever but I think from a public health perspective and from the researchers I spoke to they kind of see it as a an imperfect means to an end like we know people are vain 
um, people will probably not want to get wrinkles for the foreseeable future. And if that's a way of encouraging them to wear sun cream, maybe that's the way that we do it. And we know that that kind of encouragement works. We know that in studies, when you tell young people that smoking um, leads to wrinkles, they're much more likely to give up smoking than if you told them they're maybe going to develop lung cancer in 20 years. Um, so yeah, people are vain and maybe we should uh, take advantage of that. Well, Grace Brown uh, from Wired, whose article uh, we'll link to in uh, our Twitter profile, so twitter.com forward slash News Talk Science. You can uh, find a link to the article. Thank you very much for joining us and stay safe out there. Thank you. <laughs> so just to say it for a final time, it is important that you wear sunscreen and the, the evidence that we have suggests that it is a very good thing for preventing skin cancer. Don't want to take away from that. But surprising to me is how widespread the use of it is, how it's um, how much it's promoted, and yet we we don't have the sort of evidence you would like to have for how much to use it and when when to use it and so on. Um, right, your thoughts to that? You can uh, email them science@newstalk.com, and we get to all of those in the podcast. But that's it from us on this week's Future Proof. Thanks to Marisa Sullivan, Simon Keane, Steve Daunt, John Byrne, and Hugo de Silva, who is on sound. 